<laughs> Our uh, key verse for the series is 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. And the Apostle Paul says this. When it comes to strongholds, he says, For though we live in the world, we do not what? We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Demolish strongholds. These last few weeks, we've been looking at the stronghold of greed, the stronghold of pride, the stronghold of anger. Today, it's the stronghold of lust. And when the world looks at these things, the world will often say, well, those things are normal. Those things are acceptable. Those things are common. Everybody else is doing it. Don't make such a big deal out of it. But God says this. He says, when it comes to sin, when it comes to strongholds, we wage war. We demolish strongholds. Why? Because freedom in every area of our life, excuse me, fulfillment in every area of our life depends. I've only done this five weeks, right? You think I get it by now. Fulfillment in every area of your life depends on freedom in every area of your life. Fulfillment in every area depends on freedom in every area. And when you live in bondage, bondage to anger, bondage to pride, bondage to greed, bondage to lust, bondage to some other sin that we haven't even got to yet, right? You don't have the fulfillment and the promise and the freedom of what it means to live in the full grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Fulfillment in every area requires freedom in every area. And what I honestly believe is that just like the Spirit has set some people free from anger and pride and greed in these previous weeks, that the Holy Spirit is going to sweep in an incredible way today. He's going to set some of us free from the stronghold of lust. The stronghold of lust. So let's begin by defining the stronghold of lust, right? It's really important to understand what it is. A couple years back when we were down in Kentucky, I was teaching a Sunday school class for some of our kids. And I was doing a lesson on spiritual disciplines. So I said, hey, could somebody tell me what some of the spiritual disciplines are? Anybody know some spiritual disciplines? And I'm looking for things like prayer, uh, worship, uh, fasting, those sorts of things, right? And so one girl immediately raised her hand. And, you know, uh, oh, me, 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 me. Call me, call me. I said, okay, give me some. What are your favorite spiritual disciplines? She says, my favorite are food, television, and lust. I said, spiritual disciplines, food, TV, and lust, right? And uh, it was not one of my proudest moments as a pastor, and uh, I handed that class right back to Pastor Simone to handle, right? Lust is not a spiritual discipline. Lust is not a spiritual discipline. It's not a good thing. Just like greed in uh, previous week, right, there is no such thing as holy lust, right? We are not leaving here and talking about holy lust. I had one of you uh, come up to me uh, a couple days ago and he said to me, uh, Pastor Andrew, I'm so sorry, I'm going to miss your sermon on lust. And I said, well, I said, it's okay, you can catch it on the podcast. And she said, no, she said, it's hopeless for me anyway. I've lusted after my husband for 55 years, and I'm not about to stop now, right? <laughs> that, not, that might be holy lust, but anything short of that, all right, there's no such thing as a holy lust. So what is lust? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Uh, share it on social media, share it with a friend. Here's the simplest way that I can define it. Lust is a right desire pointed in the wrong direction. It's a right desire pointed 
in the wrong direction. What do you mean by right desire? It's the right desire for intimacy in a relationship. It's the right desire for for a sexual relationship between a husband and a wife, between a man and a woman, as God defines what marriage is, right? It's a right desire, but what's our spiritual enemy do? He comes in and he twists it, and he perverts it, and he corrupts it, and he takes something that God meant to be good, and instead he turns it into something evil and something sinful, Lust is a right desire, and it is pointed in the wrong direction. So, this morning, how do we know if you're struggling with the stronghold of lust? What are some signs? I think there's three really clear signs. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write these down. The first is this. Lust says, I can handle it. I can handle it. If you live in the world, which all of us do, right, because we're humans, and you look around, you will realize that there is no place in the world today, there is no time period in the world today before which we've had so much temptation as we do right now. If you look around, websites, billboards, computer screens, iPhones, commercials, you name it, lust and the temptation to fall into sexual sin is literally everywhere. Is it any accident then that the statistics tell us that men ages 18 to 34, that in that age group, seven out of 10 will visit a pornographic website this month? Seven out of 10. Is it any, uh, is it any surprise then that 50% of Christian men in a blind anonymous study said, yeah, I've got an issue with pornography? Perhaps it would surprise you to find out that this isn't just a man issue, is it? That 34% of Christian women admitted the very same thing. Do you know that by the age of 18, 64% of girls and 93% of boys will have viewed pornography online? By the age of 18. And the average age of initial exposure, 11 years old. 11 years old. Is any surprise then that sexual temptation is everywhere? Is it any surprise then that so many of us find ourselves falling into the stronghold of lust? But here's what lust says. Lust says, I can handle it. It's no big deal. You've got this. You're strong. You're different. You're mature. Sure, you've seen lust destroy other lives. You've seen sexual sin destroy other marriages, but guess what? It'll never happen to you because there's something different about you. You can handle it. And we fall into sexual sin. We fall into the stronghold of lust. Secondly, if you're taking notes, here's what the stronghold of lust says. It says, I can handle it and I can justify it. I can handle it and I can justify it. I don't know if you've realized this about yourself, but I've seen it in me. I am a master justifier of my actions, right? We are born with the ability to justify everything that we do. We're really good at judging somebody else, but when it comes to us, we justify it, right? I've seen this start even at a really early age in my son, Lucas. So I've got a three-year-old son. His name is Lucas. And a couple days ago, uh, he came up to us before dinner and he said, Mom, Dad, he said, can I have a piece of candy Uh, before dinner. And we said, Lucas, you know the rules, no candy before dinner. 
Okay, Mom. Okay, Dad. So he goes over and he sits down. A couple minutes later, I walk into the pantry, and he's got his hand stuck in the candy dish, right? He just rustled around. I said, Lucas, no candy until after dinner. He said, I know, Dad. I know, Dad. I, 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 just, wanted to, I just wanted to touch it. <laughs> All right, but no candy until after dinner. So a couple minutes later, we're getting ready to eat, and we're sitting at the table, and Lucas has this piece of candy in his hand, and now he starts unwrapping it, right? I said, Lucas, we're going to eat dinner, no candy till after dinner. He said, oh, it's okay, Dad. I just want to hold it. I just want to touch it. I just want to hold it in my hand. I said, all right, but don't eat it till after dinner. So you probably know where this is going, right? So, <laughs> so we bow our heads to pray, right? We bow our heads to pray, and we open up our eyes, and Lucas's mouth is like this. Lucas, where's your candy? It's in my mouth. We said, no candy till after dinner. But dad, I'm not chewing it. I'm not chewing it. It's just in my mouth. I said, Lucas, get that out of your mouth. Okay, dad. Dad, I can't find it. We justify our actions, right? And it's one step after another step after another step. And that's how we justify it. You see, that's how it works when it comes to our life and our sexual sin, isn't it? See, the reality is that so many of us, we say, you know, I'm going to draw a line in the sand, and I will never cross that line. I'll never do it. I would never come over there. But this is how the journey works. Maybe one day you're coming home from work, long day watching the kids. You don't feel like doing anything, so what do you do? You put the kids down early. You pop in a movie. And you know it's probably a movie that maybe if Jesus were sitting next to you, maybe wouldn't watch that one, right? You know what it's rated. It says right there, nudity, inappropriate scenes, sexual scenes, right? But guess what? You're strong, and you're an adult, and all your other friends have seen it, and they said it's really good, so I'm sure it's not that big of a deal. And so you just kind of justify that first step. And then maybe a couple days later, you're just sitting there, and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? My marriage isn't quite what I thought it was going to be. When we got married so many years ago, I just, I thought it was going to be better than this. I, I thought it was going to turn out, my husband, he's not as sensitive as he used to be. My wife, she's not as exciting as she used to be. And I, I wouldn't do anything like, like leave him. I mean, I wouldn't do anything like cheat on him or anything. But, but, but certainly it's understandable if I just kind of spice things up a little bit. If I just watch some images, if I just read some novels. I mean, surely that's not that big of a deal, right? And we justify another step. Then maybe a couple days later, you happen to bump into somebody really interesting. It's the new girl that gets hired on at work. It's the old Facebook flame, right, from high school that just randomly found you on Facebook. And, and you just and, and you interact with them and you think, wow, this is what it used to be like. This is really exciting, and they remind you of what it's like to feel attractive or feel interesting or, or feel like you have something to offer someone. But, of course, it's not that big of a deal because there's no problem with being friends, right? Except it's just another step. And then maybe a couple days later, you find yourself waking up thinking about that person, how attractive her smile is, how sensitive he is when you're feeling down. You find yourself looking forward to spending time with that person. You find yourself looking forward to your conversations. You find, you find ways to be able to interact a little bit more with him or her as you go throughout the day. But, of course, that's not big of a, that big of a deal because all of us have friends and all of us spend time with people, and God wouldn't have any issue with that except 
we take another step in that direction. And before you know it, guys, you know what happens is you look down and you realize that line that you said you're never going to cross, it's right under your feet. It's right next to you. And step after step after step that you take in your life, you find yourself closer to that. And what you realize is that you actually crossed the line into the stronghold of lust long ago and you didn't realize it. And that thing that you said you would never, ever even think about doing, well, guess what? It's happened to you. It's happened to you. Do you know that statistics tell us that now today in 2017, in one out of every three marriages, one partner admits to cheating on the other? One out of every three of our marriages, one partner at least has been unfaithful. How do we get there? How does it happen to us? Because we can justify it. Because we can justify it. Third, if you're taking notes, the stronghold of lust says, I can handle it, I can justify it, and third, I deserve it. I deserve it. When it comes down to it, I deserve it. God has made me with these desires, right? God has made me to, to be fulfilled, and if my wife isn't fulfilling me, then I'll find somebody who can. If my husband isn't satisfying my needs, then I'll find someone who can. And, and, and that's how God would want it, right? And this is my favorite thing is when people say, well, it's my life. It's my body. I'm not hurting anybody. These are my choices, right? Have you ever heard that? Heard anybody say that to you? It's my body. It's my life. I can do whatever I want as long as I'm not hurting anybody else. But here's what God says about that in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We say it's my life, it's my body, but here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee from sexual immorality. Everybody, if you would, say flee with me. Say flee from sexual immorality. He says, all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but the one who sins sexually sins against what? Sins against their own body. And he says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, say it with me, honor God with your bodies. He says, honor God with your bodies. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are not your own. Yeah, sorry, say, you are not your own. You're not your own. Very good. Now turn to the other person that you didn't like as much and say this. You say, say, you were bought at a price. You were bought at a price, right? You are not your own and you were bought at a price. What scripture says is it's not your body. It's not your life. You don't get to choose with whatever you want to do. It's not just your little thing because you are not your own. See, here's what the stronghold of lust says. It says, I can handle it. I can justify it, and I deserve it. But God says, no, 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 no. He says, you're not your own. You're bought at a price. Honor God with your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I want to take just a moment, because uh, this is a heavy topic, um, and I sensed that this morning. I want to take just a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to speak some words of truth uh, into your life today. I want you to ask yourself the question, in the way that I'm living my life, am I honoring God or do I have a stronghold of lust? In the way that I live my life, am I honoring God or do I have a stronghold of lust? Guys, in the way that you look at the women around you, at your work, 
on the beach, at the pool? Are you honoring God? Or do you have a stronghold of lust? Things that you do late at night when nobody else is around, when no one else knows, the thoughts that you dwell on, the things that you look at, are you honoring God or do you have a stronghold of lust? In your dating relationship, the, what, the, the things that you do when you're by yourselves, when nobody else is around, when no one else is looking, when it's just you and your girlfriend, you and your boyfriend, you and your fiance, do you honor God with the way that you treat each other? Do you honor God with the boundaries that you have set? Are you honoring God with your living arrangement before marriage? Or are you allowing a stronghold of lust? Because what scripture says is you're not your own. You're bought at a price. Honor God with your body. Paul says when it comes to sexual sin, flee. Flee. Run for your life. Run as if your life depends on it, Paul says, because it actually does. Because it actually does. Not just your life, but your life of your marriage, the life of your kids, the life of generations that come after you. Flee from sexual immorality. So here's where we're at today. Uh, when we get to this point in the service, the truth is all of us have three choices. We got three options. The Holy Spirit is working in this place in an incredible way. And I believe that he wants to set some people free. But you got three choices. And all of us here are going to make one of these three choices today. What are they? First, if you're taking notes, there's some of us this morning that will simply choose to continue in your sin. You continue in your sin. You're here today. You knew what I was going to talk about. The Spirit drew you. You knew that perhaps you needed to make some changes, but you'll walk right back out of this sanctuary and you will keep on going exactly like you are. You'll block it out. Holy, the, 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 your spiritual enemy will whisper in your ear. You'll say, that guy up there, he's way too intense. <laughs> he's way too He needs to slow down a little bit because he's way too It's not that big of a deal. You can handle it. You can justify it. You deserve it. And you'll walk back, back out of this sanctuary, and the very moment you step out of the doors, you'll forget all about it because your spiritual enemy wants you to continue in your sin. It absolutely breaks my heart this morning. But there's some of you here today that you're going to exchange eternal freedom for temporary pleasure. You're going to exchange eternal freedom for temporary pleasure. It's a matter of life or death. But your spiritual enemy will convince you. Continue in your sin. Second, there's others of us that will try to cover up our sin. We'll try to cover up our sin. Uh, this really is probably the, uh, the natural human inclination, isn't it? To try to cover up our sin. Anytime we find ourselves doing something we shouldn't do, what's our natural inclination? Nah, I didn't do it. Oh, it wasn't me. Oh, I, I, there's always a reason, right? So I'll give you an example of this. Uh, um, a few years back, uh, it was right after Lucas was uh, born, uh, Simone and I were going through that uh, phase that we're getting ready to enjoy again in life, right? Where you don't sleep for more than 30 minutes at a time and wondering why anyone would bring a child into the world. So that's, that's, about, where we, uh, that's about where we were in life. And so I don't have many responsibilities at the house because, honestly, 
I'm not very good at anything, so my wife does all the important things, but the very one thing that I do, my number one job at the house is to take out the garbage. That's my job. On trash day, I take out the garbage, and I set it for the man, and he puts it in the truck. It's just a really great deal, right? And so that's my job. And so on this particular day, it was really important to Simone that I take out the garbage, right? All of life was in chaos. She just wanted me to take out the garbage. And so she reminded me the night before, she said, Andrew, honey, uh, tomorrow is trash day. Uh, If you would, uh, please remember to take out the garbage. And I said, oh, sure, honey, got this. No problem. You betcha. So next morning, I wake up and she says, hey, honey, uh, tomorrow is trash day. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and take out the garbage? I said, "Ah, I got this. I'll do it before I leave for work. Not a big deal. She said, okay. As I'm leaving for work, She says, Andrew, hey, while you're out there, go ahead and take out the garbage. Today is trash day. I said, honey, you've told me three times. I've got this. I'm a man. I got this thing, right? I'm on it. Um, Except I forgot, (laughs) right? So I'm I'm driving to work completely out of my mind, focused on 100 different things, and it strikes me at lunchtime, my horrible mistake, right? I've forgotten to take out the garbage. So I hop in my car, and I speed home. I'm doing like 80 through the streets, right? Because my goal is to beat the trash man, and right when I pull into the driveway, I see the garbage truck driving off into the sunset, (laughs) right? Completely hopeless. And the men here will understand my plight, right? I've got a, a wife that just gave birth. She's exhausted, and I didn't take out the garbage. So what am I going to do? God gave me a plan. <laughs> I thought it was God, but it might not have been God in the long run. So I thought I heard God tell me, Andrew, all you got to do is take the garbage out of the big blue container, right? And load it up in your car and take it over to the church because the church is a dumpster, right? The church can take care of it and no big deal, right? So that's what I did. I got it all out of the container and I put it in the trunk and I loaded it up. I mean, we're talking like seven trash bags full. I mean, just loaded trash all over the back of my car. And I'm like this covert spy guy because I don't want my wife to see me. So I'm like hiding, right? And so and I get it all in there and I speed away and she doesn't find me. It's an absolute miracle of God's grace. Um, except I forgot to take it out of the trunk. So all afternoon and all evening and all the next day, this garbage is sitting in my trunk. And remember, we just had a newborn, right? So you can imagine what's in the garbage, right? And so it's like this greenhouse system for garbage, right? Inside my trunk and the sun is shining on it. And so completely forgot about it until the next day. When Simone and I had some errands to run around town, and we got home, and, uh, and we opened up the doors to the car, and this horrific stench just slammed our nostrils. The worst thing you've ever smelled in your life. And Simone's like, Andrew, what is that smell? And I'm not giving in. <laughs> uh, what, uh, what, what's, what smell, honey? Uh, what smell? I said, oh, it's that new cologne you bought me. It's just not, it's not very good stuff. It's not very good. She said, Andrew, that's not cologne. That is garbage. I said, oh, gar- yeah, <laughs> garbage, I'm sure. So she runs around. She pops the trunk. She opens up the trunk. She sees our trunk absolutely stuffed full of garbage. Then she comes up to the driver's side window. And there ends the rest of the story that I could tell you at church, right? <laughs> We don't want the rest of that on the podcast. Uh, Most of it was in Spanish anyway, but uh, anyway, talk to me later. I'll tell you the rest of the story, right? 
concealed the garbage, covered up the garbage. See, that is what we try to do in our life of sin, don't we? We try to cover it up. We try to conceal it. We try to make up for our mistakes. And one sin leads to another sin, leads to another sin, and it just keeps adding up in our lives. And I want you to see what Proverbs chapter 28 says about this. This is so key. Get this verse. Scripture says this. He says, whoever conceals their sins does not what? Does not prosper. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. And there's some of you here this morning, guys, gals, young, old, there's some of you here this morning, you literally have a trunk full of garbage in your life. It's sexual sin, it's addiction, it's affairs, it's pornography, it's your thought life, it's those second glances, and they've added up, and they're smelling up your entire life. Whoever conceals your sin, you'll never prosper. You'd never prosper. See, some of us think, well, we'll just continue in our sin, no big deal. Others of us think, we'll just cover it up and maybe it will go away. But there really is only one way to find freedom this morning. And it's the third way. How do we break free? It's by confessing our sin. It's confessing our sin. And I know what you're thinking already. You're thinking, there is no way on God's green earth that you're going to get me out loud to confess my sin. I would rather die. I would, I would rather die than let anybody know what I'm struggling with on the inside. I can't confess my sin. But I want you to read what the rest of Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 says. Because he says this, he says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who does what? The one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Whoever conceals their sins doesn't prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. I know you're saying to yourself today, I can't let others know. I can't let my kids know. I can't let my wife know. I can't let my husband know. They would be devastated. They would be broken. I don't know what I could possibly do if anybody found out. But here's the truth. It's going to come out anyway. It's going to come out anyway. In fact, do you want to know something really, really interesting? The only way to find freedom, the only way to get free is to confess your sins. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, he forgives and he purifies. If we confess, he forgives and he purifies. You want to know something really, really interesting? That whatever we try to conceal, ultimately he will reveal. But whatever we openly confess, he covers. Whatever we conceal, ultimately will be revealed. But whatever we try to confess, whatever we confess, he covers over. That's the truth. And you're thinking to yourself this morning, I can't let anybody know. I can't let anybody find out. The truth will come out. Jesus says there's nothing hidden that will not be made known. And there's nothing, and there's nothing secret that will not be disclosed and spoken even from the mountaintops. What you're trying to conceal, eventually it will come out. But if you confess, he covers over a multitude of sins. This morning, the Holy Spirit is speaking to some hearts. This morning, if the statistics hold true, it's not just you. 
<laughs> you're sitting there, you're thinking, I can't do this thing. There's no way. What will other people think? The statistics are true. It's the majority of us here today. It's the majority of us that have fallen into some area of the stronghold of lust. And the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning, flee, flee, flee from sexual immorality. Run as if your life depends on it. Run as if your family depends on it. Run as if your marriage depends on it. Run as if future generations depend on it. Because it literally does. Guys, gals, young, old, the decisions that you make today will determine the legacy that you leave for tomorrow. I'm here to tell you that the only way to find fulfillment in your life is to get free. Today can be the day of freedom. Whoever conceals their sins, you never prosper. It'll just keep adding up. And the shame and the regret and the guilt and the fear, they will literally eat you alive until you're a shell of yourself. But whoever confesses and renounces them, they'll find mercy. Today, the Holy Spirit wants to set some people free. Today can be the day that you start out or start over in your relationship with Jesus. And it can start right now. Jesus, we're grateful for your presence. Thank you for today. Thank you for this word. We need you to speak words of life to us. We ask it in Jesus' precious and wonderful and holy name. We continue in the spirit of prayer, heads bowed and eyes closed. There are uh, many of us here today that the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to your hearts. You see, the opposite of lust is a commitment to purity. And the opposite to lust is a commitment to purity. Lust is a right desire pointed in the wrong direction. But purity actually brings it back into the right direction. Purity says purity of heart, purity of mind, purity in thoughts, purity with my eyes, purity with my body, seeking after God with all of my heart and soul and mind and strength. And I wonder if there's some here this morning, maybe for you, you've made this commitment to purity decades ago. And God has set you free, and you are living a life of holiness. And this morning, you'd simply say, I renew my commitment to a life of purity. I renew my commitment to pursuing God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. No garbage, no trash, nothing in my past, nothing to conceal. I'm completely open. I wonder if there's others of you here today that you say, today's the day I make my commitment. Today's the day I draw my line in the sands. And regardless of what's happened in the past, today is the day that I choose purity. I choose life. I choose walking intimately in relationship with Jesus. If that's you this morning, you say, I choose purity. I want purity with my life. I want purity with my heart. I want purity with my eyes. If that's you this morning, would you raise up your hand right now? I want purity in everything that I do. Everything that I do. Hands up everywhere. I want purity in everything that I do. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. What I look at, what I read, what I think about, I commit to purity name of Jesus. God, thank you. We don't take it lightly. It's not just a hand that we raise, Lord. It's a commitment that we're making in your presence. You see us. You know us. You hear us. Look on your children with favor today. Speak words of life as we commit to a life of purity before you. As we continue to pray, heads bowed and eyes closed, there are um, a good number of you here this morning that the Holy Spirit has been knocking desperately on the door of your heart. He's knocking desperately on the door of your heart. And he's saying, listen, hear 
receive that. This is for you today. And he has brought you to this moment at this service for such a time as this. And you are at a divine crossroads in your life. The opportunity to define your legacy. The opportunity to find freedom and hope and life. There's some of you here this morning that you're going to make the decision to walk out and you're going to continue in your sin. You're going to continue in your sin. You say, I don't need that or I'll deal with it later. I'm sure it's not that big of a deal. And you'll choose temporary pleasure for eternal freedom. There's others of you, and there's a lot of us here today, that you think you can keep covering it up. You think nobody knows. You think it's not hurting anybody. But the truth is, on the inside, the guilt and the fear and the regret and the shame are literally eating you alive. And you can't conceal it any longer. There's some of us this morning that we're going to confess, we're going to renounce we're going to say, God, I need you. God, I need healing. God, I need your life. God, I need your forgiveness. There's some people here this morning that the Holy Spirit is knocking desperately on the door of your heart. He's saying, today is your opportunity. Today is your chance to start out or to start over in your relationship with me. All the things that you've done, all the stuff you've looked at, all the sins that you committed, everywhere you've gone, they can all be wiped away. They can all be cast away as far as the east is from the west. Everything that you've done can be cast to the side if only you will confess and renounce today. Whatever you conceal, it's going to get revealed. But whatever you confess, he will cover over with his blood. And this morning, there's some here today, heads bowed, eyes closed, absolutely no one looking around. This is between you and Jesus. You'll say, that is me. I want freedom. I want life. I want healing. I need the Holy Spirit to break in and cleanse me of my heart, cleanse me in my soul, cleanse me in my spirit. If that's you this morning and you say, I want freedom, I want forgiveness, I want new life in Jesus. If that's you this morning, would you lift up your hand right now? Praise be to God. Thank you, Jesus, all over this place. Anybody else say, freedom today. Today's my day of freedom. Thanks be to God. Who else? You're at a divine crossroads. Thank you, brother. You're at a divine crossroads. Hand up everywhere. You're at a divine crossroads in your life. I want freedom today. Freedom today. It's going to come out anyway. I want Jesus. Thanks, brother. Praise be to God. I want Jesus. I want forgiveness. I want freedom. Thanks be to God. Hands up everywhere. Praise be to God. Anyone else? This is your moment. It's your chance. Would you pray alongside the person next to you? As we start out or start over in our relationship with Jesus, would you pray this prayer? Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of seeking pleasure in something other than you. I want your life. I want your hope. I want your eternity. Jesus, you died so I could be forgiven. You rose so I could be set free. Fill me with your spirit because from this day forward, I'm never turning back. I just want you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. First Church, can you praise God for lives that are set free from strongholds today, new life, coming into the kingdom today. Thanks be to God. Guys, you don't understand how God is working in such an incredible way in so many lives every single week. God is setting us free. 
It's such a blessing to share that journey with you every single week. As we prepare to go, the worship team's going to sing. And I'm going to remind you again, today was not a finish line. Today was a starting point. Today, the Holy Spirit set you free. But if you don't have people to walk with you in your life, you won't stay free. You'll fall right back into it again. So I'm going to encourage you. It takes a step of faith. It takes some courage. It takes some boldness. But if you found true freedom today in Jesus Christ, I want you to reach out. Take your connection card right there in the pew in front of you. Just put your name on it, an email address, a way that we can contact you. And we would love to journey with you. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it on your own. And we have people who would love to celebrate this new phase of your journey together with you. God is doing incredible work at First Church. When you walk out the doors, don't forget, your spiritual enemy will try to convince you it didn't happen. Your spiritual enemy will try to convince you it didn't matter. But you're changed. You're different. You are new in the name of Jesus. Fill out your card. Drop it off to a staff member. As worship team comes, Sean, would you lead us? Sing with us this morning.